Good morning to you all. That hymn that we just sang, uh, I think uh, we, we at Claremont love this hymn. And it says, my song is love unknown. My Savior's love to me, love to the loveless shown, that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? He came from his blessed throne, salvation to bestow. But men made strange, and none the long for Christ would know. But oh, my friend, my friend indeed, who at my need his life did spend. This morning, I just want to take a little bit of time to think about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, thinking about where he came from and then what he did here on this earth. Uh, if you would turn with me to John chapter 13, this morning I wanted to spend a little time in the Gospel of John 13. I understand that there's food next door, and I must confess my stomach is already grumbling. So. We're going to try to get through this as quickly as possible, uh, but at the same time, uh, we know how important the Word of God is. Before I go on, uh, let's just look to the Lord. Our dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning that we know that you are here with us. We know that as we thought about your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and lifted up praises and worship to adore him because we love him, because he first loved us, even while we were his enemies. Christ gave his life for us. And as we think about him and we look to your word this morning, we, uh, I just ask for wisdom for myself and uh, for ears to hear for those that are listening. pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2016. Wow, what a year. Uh, some great things have happened this year for me, and it'll be personally in my history book, it's going to go down as it has to, uh, one of the greatest years of my life. Um, first thing I have to mention is that I got married this year, and it's just, it's wonderful, and I don't know how I got to marry such a beautiful, smart, funny, just uh, good-looking woman who she bears with me, she's loyal to me. Uh, she's honest, and uh, I, I can't tell you just her integrity. Uh, all these things, uh, she's an amazing woman, and I've been so blessed. And I don't know why she sticks with me um, these last five months, but uh, Lord willing, we'll continue on uh, for the rest of our lives. Um, she's uh, truly amazing, and the Lord has blessed me so much. And I don't want to uh, make that seem uh, less than or what it is, because I also, uh, like our brother mentioned, the Cubs won the World Series this past week, and I've been waiting 29 years, and for those of you who don't know, I was born and raised in Chicago uh, for about 15 years, and so I've, I've watched the Cubs and grew up watching them, loving them, and uh, they finally won, so <laughs> Cubs won the World Series. Um, uh, that might not mean much to you, but it... it uh, it's just a wonderful, and it's still, I'm still soaking it in. Um, <laughs> uh, 
It's, it's hard because sometimes people will come up to me as I'm wearing Cubs attire and they'll ask me, oh, you just jumped on their bandwagon, right? Oh, you, you, just, you just finally pulled out your Cubs hat or something, but then I have to go and explain to them, uh, no, I was born and raised there. You know, I, I can give you my address. I remember my phone number. And so I tell them, you know, I, I got to be one of the number one fans for the Cubs on the West Coast, but... Uh, I don't want to say that because there's plenty of Cubs fans all around. And, and then I get the pleasure of saying, again, the Cubs won the World Series. So, um, Justin asked me last night at the men's fellowship dinner, oh, so you're going to use some analogies about the Cubs winning the World Series. And I decided I'll put that in every analogy of this message. <laughs> just kidding. I was just kidding. That's, that's not what I'm going to do. Um, as we get into John chapter 13, uh, Jesus displays something very extraordinary. Something that for myself, when I read it, when I look at it, I sometimes wonder if maybe I, I give it less meaning than it should be given. Because we see the Lord Jesus doing something here that is unbelievable. It's amazing. We're going to read about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And the precursor to John chapter 13, we read in a couple of the other Gospels, is in Mark 10.35, we have two disciples, John and James, and they go up to Jesus and they ask him that, they make a request, and they say, Lord, can we be on your right and left in glory? And Jesus tells them that those positions are already given to those to whom they should be given to. And then in Luke 22, Jesus tells a man who is going to betray him, who is with him at the table, and the disciples are so preoccupied. Jesus tells them who's going to betray him. He tells them, whoever I give this morsel to, I'm going to dip it and I'm going to give it to them. That's the person who's going to betray me. And the disciples, the thing that they're thinking right after that is, Who's regarded as the greatest? Who's the, who's the best? Who, who does the Lord think is the, the closest person to himself? We all want to be great and identify with those people that we look towards and say, those are great people. But oftentimes, I think we need to modify our understanding and definition of what great is. We all want to be great and identify with those who are. I think of uh, when I was growing up, my, my mother had me read a lot of books about missionaries and uh, people who serve the Lord. And, and I looked at those guys and men who shared the gospel with thousands of people. And I would think, wow, that's amazing. You know, they're winning souls for the Lord. That's great, you know, to be able to maybe surpass some of these guys who are preaching the gospel to thousands of people. That would be great. But then... The Lord taught me that that's not, that's not how I should understand what greatness is when it comes to serving the Lord. You know, Each of us have been put in a certain position or we can serve the Lord in different ways. And you're serving the Lord in that way. That's what's great. And that's what I came to understand is that it's not about me trying to go out and accomplish something great like somebody else. That's a probably a work that God has set aside specifically for them. 
but for the Lord's people, each and every one of us who are here this morning, who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we each have something great that we can do for the Lord, maybe not something that we think is great. So in John chapter 13, we're going to go through a, a decent chunk of chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, had, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you knew these things, you are blessed if you do them. In verse 1, we have before the the feast of the Passover, Jesus. And it says, he, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father. And we think of going back to John chapter 2 and him uh, given a request from his mother at Cana, his first recorded miracle. And she asks him, uh, she tells the men to do whatever he says Speaking of Jesus, the party, there was a wedding party. They had run out of wine. They didn't know what to do, so Jesus' mother turns to Jesus. Jesus. What does Jesus say? She says, what does it have to do with me? My time has not come yet. But here, in chapter 13 of John, we see Jesus saying, knowing, not saying, knowing that his hour had come. Something that kind of helps me in my study of scripture is that little facts I pick up as I read scripture. And one of the things that I, you see here is the Passover feast is coming along. We realize 
In Luke 3.23, it tells us that Jesus starts his ministry at 30 years of age. And we see, uh, if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that two Passovers have taken place. Passovers, uh, something that happens once a year, and this third one is about to take place. So that's how Bible scholars come to Jesus' age being 33 years old. And it's just a little fact that um, I just like learning facts that help me uh, want to study the Bible more. And Jesus knew that his hour had come. What hour is this? What is this hour speaking of? Well, it tells us he knows that he has to depart out of this world to go to the Father. John 12, 23, if you look back one chapter, Jesus says, Thou hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then it says, Having loved his own who were in the world, his own, I was wondering, who is he speaking about? Is it just referring to Jesus' disciples? Or maybe those people that were following Jesus? And we also, we know in John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world. And so here, what is it talking about when it says he loved his own? Well, to me, it's speaking of those that have believed in him, who have trusted him. Jesus loved them to the end. It's amazing to think about, when you think about the fact that Jesus, he knowing all things, knowing what's going to happen, he loves them to the end. And the Greek word here being telos, it means, I looked it up, termination, the limit as which a thing ceases to be, always of the end of some act or state, but not of the end of a period of time. So this, this is not talking about an end of the age, but is, it's talking about an end when it comes to an act. And we know what all of this is leading to, that the Lord Jesus Christ, his face set like a flint toward the cross. That's the end that he's looking towards. During the supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Uh, this is referring to the agreement that Judas had made with the chief priests, the Pharisees, uh, to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver at the opportune time. Um, verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God, and was going back to God, got up from supper, and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. This is, we're talking about the God of creation, Jesus. That's who he is. He's God. And this might be just an action. This is not Jesus performing a miracle. He's not healing the sick. He's not opening the eyes of the blind. But yet, here he is, God, taking off his robe, girding himself with a, a towel. When one girds himself with a towel, the ones that normally do this are servants and slaves. And I'm, I'm, I'm picturing this as it's happening, the disciples wondering, what's going on? Why is Jesus putting on a towel? That's what slaves do. I wonder why he's doing that. Verse 5, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash 
the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now you would think that this picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet would be in the Gospel of Mark, right? Because the Gospel of Mark speaks of Jesus as a servant. So then, you know, you would think it should be in Mark, but here it is in the Gospel of John, speaking of the Gospel of John, speaking of the Lord Jesus' deity, that he is God. Jesus is God. And I think that what helps us and reminds us how amazing this act is. That God here is washing the disciples' feet. We know and we read in other passages about the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 2, uh, something, a thought oftentimes shared in uh, the Lord's Supper about the humility of Christ. You think of that, you know. Think of someone like the President of the United States coming and washing your feet. But this is so much greater. This act is so much more immense than that. God is washing the feet of the disciples. He created their feet, and here he is washing it. The humility to do that, to take on and do a job of a slave. Slave. Verse 6, he comes to Simon Peter. And Simon Peter, I, I, I've been looking at First Peter and Second Peter, and one of the things you realize about Simon Peter, he's an intelligent man. Some might call him uneducated, but he was in the University of the Lord for three years. I mean, how much knowledge could he have gained? And so thinking of Peter, obviously we think of him as a man who's rash, who says things quickly, uh, he's a man with a quick temper. We think of him in the Garden of Gethsemane when he grabs his sword and chops off the, the high priest's servant's ear. But here he is in verse 6 when the Lord comes to Peter to wash his feet. And Peter asks him this question, Lord, do you wash my feet? For me, when I listen to Peter Think about Peter asking the Lord this question. I think maybe Peter recognized who's washing his feet and that he's thinking, how can you, the Lord, the God of the universe, how can you wash my feet? And Jesus asked him this question. What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. It's funny because you would assume that as Jesus is performing this act of washing the disciples' feet and Peter says something seemingly out of place that the Lord would rebuke him. But he says, you'll realize this later on. It makes me think maybe Peter realized this after he had denied the Lord three times. Maybe he remembers it later on in the future. I don't know when, his, when he remembered this, but to, re, to think that the Lord Jesus washed Peter's feet and told him, you'll remember this later. And verse 7, Jesus, excuse me, verse 8 through 10. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. 
So he goes to the polar opposite, to the extreme that first he said, never will you wash my feet. And then we go and see in verse 9, it says, excuse me, continuing on in verse 8, Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. So all of a sudden he's saying, wash my whole body now, Lord. If you're going to wash something, wash everything. Something we have to understand about what's being said right here is that at this, in this day and age in, in Scripture, there were public bathhouses. And what would happen is that uh, people would go to the bathhouses and then they would walk home. And they would walk home in sandals and so their feet would get dirty. And so they would, ha they would have servants who would be ready with a basin of water and a towel uh, to wipe off their feet. Their whole body was already clean, but when they walked home, their feet got dirty. This is the reason why Jesus says, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. Our feet represents the places we go. Um, in this world, our feet, we, we're constantly going to places. Um, the one thing that I have to say and insert right here is that the good news of Jesus Christ, if you're not saved, if you're not born again, if you do not know what that means, the Lord Jesus Christ came to this very earth to die for our sins. And if we would believe in him, we would be saved. We would be clean. But the thing is, once we're saved, we, we're in, still in this world. It says Jesus, he's leaving the world to go back to the Father, but he understands his disciples, where he's leaving them. He loves them. He cares about them. And so for us, in this world, those of us who are saved, our feet, we're going to different places. We're going to hear foul language at the workplace. We're going to see scandalous things. This world was completely against God and his word. And oftentimes, sadly, we fall prey to temptation and we fall into sin. God's desire is that we have a pure relationship and we need to constantly uh, be washing our feet and that's a, a spiritual picture of what we have here. That we're supposed to constantly uh, wash our feet. And the Lord Jesus is so gracious, is so loving. And in verse 11, uh, it goes on to say, for he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. And you go back to verse, verse 10, and it says that at the end, not all of you are clean. He understood who was going to betray him. And so we get the explanation. And I kind of jumped ahead uh, to application uh, and the explanation. But in verse 12 through 16, And one example that I had of this, I like to shower before going to bed. I don't know about you. And oftentimes, I'll wake up with a pretty bad uh, bedhead. And sometimes, 
maybe even right now, I'll have like alfalfa sticking up. Um, I'll have eye, burger, eye boogers, and my face will be oily. And um, the point of this is um, I showered before I went to bed. So I don't need in the morning to shower again my whole body. But I do realize I need to wash my face. I need to maybe uh, put, run water through my hair. And that's the same idea that Jesus is trying to point out here, that once you are saved, you don't, need to be, you don't need to be saved again, but you do need to continue the process of sanctification in your life where you go to God for forgiveness when you sin and in a sense, wash your feet. Um, I think of 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I always think of the example of the times where I wronged my parents. I lied to my parents. I know my parents love me. I know my parents forgave me uh, even before I go to them and ask for forgiveness. But yet I still go to them and I ask for forgiveness. And I think that's the same with our Heavenly Father. In verse 11, when you think about the fact that the Lord Jesus knew who was going to be betraying him, what was going to happen, and he says this, think about this. Jesus knew Judas' plan, yet he washes, his, he washes Judas' feet anyways. Jesus knew exactly what Judas was going to do, but yet, Judas is there when he institutes the breaking of bread and the taking of the cup. I mean, if that doesn't show the grace of God, I don't know what does. That the fact that Jesus still loved Judas, Jesus, Jesus still cared about Judas. Verse 12, so when he had washed their feet, and taking his garments and reclined at the table, again he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? Oftentimes, a lot of good teachers will use a question to help their students think. And this is what's going on here. Jesus asked them, Why did I do this for you? Do you know what's happened here? Verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If we understand how remarkable this act is, how the creator of the universe humbled himself in a manner as an example to his disciples to do likewise. And it's an example to us today. If the disciples truly understood this act of what Jesus did, of washing their feet, it's not just this act, but it's the spiritual meaning behind it. The compassion that Jesus shows his disciples, including Judas and Peter, is an example to us. This example isn't so much of a literal one as it is a spiritual one. And if you go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, 
Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. The idea here is that we are supposed to go to brothers and sisters and we're supposed to use the word of God to correct them. But the one thing is that we have to understand that we have to go to the word of God first. We have to understand the truth in the word of God so that we can help other brothers and sisters. Verse 15. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. This is an example that the Lord gave us. This is an example that the Lord gave the disciples. They were there. I mean, at that moment when the Lord Jesus went to each disciple, I wonder what they must have felt. That here, the person they call their master, the person that they call their Lord, is down on his knees washing their feet. And that's the example that the Lord Jesus gives them and we can really think about today. And verse 16, Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you. And these are two more examples that solidify his point. If the disciples understood who Jesus is, what he has just performed before them, for each of them, they will follow Jesus' lead because they will understand who Jesus is, that he is God and what he has done for them. And finally, in verse 17, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. It's one thing to know and it's another thing to do. We know that scripture tells us that we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we should be doers as well. If you read verse 17, it doesn't say, if you know these things, you are blessed, and ends there. But you have to read all of verse 17. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not just supposed to keep it up here in our heads, know this story, oh, it's nice. Jesus, the God of the universe, performed uh, this act for the disciples, and we just know this story. But we're supposed to live it out. We're supposed to share this love with one another. That's what it says in verse 14, that you also ought to wash one another's feet, that we should care for one another enough that we're willing to go to them and encourage, them, encourage one another to share with one another our thoughts and the things that are going on. To, be, to know each other well enough to be able to even go to one another and rebuke if need be. I know that's hard to, hard to think about. It's hard for me to think about to say, I'm going to go and correct a brother, especially if he's an older brother. That's even scarier. Here, Jesus says, you are blessed if you do them, not just if you know. Jesus, being God, humbles himself before his disciples as a spiritual example for his disciples to follow. 
And we, in turn, are to do the same. May these thoughts burden us to show the love of God, to serve one another as Jesus did. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ. You sent him on this very earth, and he showed us and gave us and spoke to us so many examples, and we see it in your word. We think of how humble he had to be, the step down he had to take to come down to this very earth for us because you loved us so much. Father, we thank you that as we read in your word the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ, the example that he set, that we would not just look at this as a story, not just read it, think good thoughts, go home, and not let this affect us. I just pray that your word would really impress upon us the fact that the Lord Jesus did these things to show us and as a leader, as a master, as our Lord, he wanted us to do the same. We pray that you would give us the grace and the strength to do these things. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And also, we thank you for the food next door. We ask for a blessing on it and the hands that have provided it. In Jesus' name, amen.